What is up guys? It's Matt Whitmore and Keris Marsden from Fitter Food again here with episode number two of Fitter Food Radio. First off, big apologies. Um, we're a little bit behind. We were hoping to get this episode out last week, but we've been pretty darn busy. We've been kind of here, there and everywhere around the UK running our health, fat loss and performance seminars, which have been absolutely awesome, haven't they? Yeah, we've absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's been amazing. Great um, to meet people feel very very lucky as well to have like-minded people on board that have actually invited us to their venues and kind of really helped us to to put on a great show we were in londonderry in northern ireland a couple of weeks back we ran a couple of seminars in london we done one for a room of 40 women which you know i felt quite privileged there being the only man that was quite good fun and then kind of like I suppose flip reversal the very next day we were in a CrossFit gym dealing with obviously CrossFitters and how to tweak their nutrition and more importantly lifestyle habits to ensure that they can continue to train their asses off but more importantly recover and grow and replenish. Then we went to Cambridge. Yeah. Never been to Cambridge before that was pretty awesome. Really really. for parking. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to get around Cambridge hire a bike don't hire a car whatever you do. We should cycle didn't we? We should have cycled from London. Um, it probably would have to be fair <laughs> now we are in the beautiful edinburgh where we're here as we speak yeah you know? we love it here don't we about two years ago we were last here wasn't it we were here for a kettlebell workshop yeah with mike marlow yeah we, we sort of fell in love with it then didn't we and yeah. said we, we should come here more often right so without further ado we will get cracking as you know, the idea behind these podcasts is to help you guys as much as we possibly can with your health, your training, lifestyle factors, and just getting everything in check. So we obviously want to learn as much as possible with these podcasts. So we've got some really awesome questions. Thank you to everybody that emailed us or uh, messaged us on the Fit Food page with some questions. Going forward, just keep the questions coming in, and we always put them to one side, and we have a little read through and, and kind of tickle the, the most relevant, so to speak. So question number one, this is from Margaret McKee and Margaret says, Hey guys, hoping you can help me. I am really struggling to find something to eat to help me through my workout. I work full time and go straight to the gym from work. So I'm pretty tired by the time I get there, but I go anyway. Would you have any tips on what to eat in the car or maybe before I leave work to give me more energy? Thanks a lot. Kiss, kiss. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite funny because this is something that we actually deal with a hell of a lot. More often than not, most clients that we work with either train first thing in the morning or they train after work. Obviously, some people train during the day, but I'm just talking most of the time here. But it's quite interesting that Margaret already stated that she actually already feels pretty damn tired when she gets to the gym and lacking in energy, but she goes anyway. And that's the kind of first point that I would work on in that if you already feel like that, chances are you know there's something lacking in your nutrition or your lifestyle choices. Because a big thing that we look at is actually getting people to have a little think on whether actually they should be training at that time. You know, are they feeling particularly stressed, run down, whatever it may be? Would they be far better off just going for a a long walk maybe instead to kind of keep their body moving and de-stressing? You should never really enter into a workout feeling like you're lacking in energy, especially if it's going to be quite a demanding workout. I don't know the nature of Margaret's training, but always enter a workout, whatever time of day it is, feeling energized, feeling good and ready for the session. She also mentioned about maybe having something in the car on the way to the gym. Uh, I wouldn't advise it purely because you don't want to eat too close to your workout. And this regardless of what kind of training you're doing, you need to leave a good two to three hour window between that last meal and your training session because 
If you've eaten in the car 30 minutes before a workout and your body's pumping blood to the gut to digest your food, when you start training, you want that blood pumping to your hardworking muscles, then there's going to be a little bit of an issue there and no doubt a bit of a discomfort for yourself. So you'd be far better off having your lunch as you normally do with your kind of proteins, fats and a bit of carbs and veg. And then about two and a half to three hours before having maybe a slightly smaller meal or a snack again, you know, with your proteins, fats and carbs to ensure that you've got energy when you do hit the gym and you're not running on empty i mean i don't know the, the the kind of schedule of when you do have your meals but i'd certainly recommend that and then you may want to even look into getting some, some amino acids down you about 40 minutes prior to your workout just to make sure you've got plenty in the tank that would certainly be my advice so don't eat too close to your workout for sure and what's important as well is that you need to make sure that it's not just what you eat just before your workout that is important you know you need to make sure that you've got enough sleep that night your breakfast has been sound your lunch has been sound snacks etc don't go too crazy on the coffee during the day because you know that can cause people to have quite a big slump in the afternoon caffeine kind of acts very very similarly to sugar in that people often experience a bit of a buzz a bit of a high followed by a crash so just make sure that you've slept well you've got on top of that and your fuel for the day has been in check Something I read in Men's Fitness the other day, actually, which I thought was really quite good, was about England's rugby league team. I'm a rugby league player myself, absolutely love it. And I know firsthand it's an incredibly physical and demanding sport. But what I really, really liked is that the England squad are actually preparing for a World Cup at the moment. I was reading a little bit about their training protocols, but more importantly, they were big on recovery. And they would get the players to rate their sleep as well as their DOMS, so their delayed onset muscle soreness from previous workouts. And they'd use that to gauge whether or not they trained with the squad as part of a quite an intensive training protocol or if actually they'd be better off doing a recovery protocol. And the way it worked is on the sleep front, they got the players to rate the quality of sleep that they had. So obviously one being absolutely terrible, five being really good. And then they state the number of hours sleep they had and then they'd get them to add the two numbers together. So let's say, for example, one player got eight hours sleep and it was absolutely top dollar quality and he rated it as a five, so that's 13. The way it worked was if it was anything above 10, you were good to go and you were ready to train. If it was below 10, they didn't want you to train and they'd give you a recovery protocol instead. And then the same goes with the DOMS. Number one being, God, I'm in absolute agony, I can hardly walk. They'd probably send them for a massage, a bit of mobility work, saunas, recovery, etc. If it was five and they actually felt really, really good, then obviously they'd let them take part in the training session with the team. And it's really important that we take those things into consideration because it's all well and good having your nutrition in check. But if your sleep is off whack, then you've got an issue. So make sure your sleep is absolutely on the on the money. Everything Matt said, I would completely second. But just personal experiences, when I used to work in an office and used to train after work, I'd often think I needed a snack to fuel my gym session and eat something at around 4.35 o'clock for my gym session at 6. And often that would just tend to jiggle around as I, was, I used to run a lot at that point and just repeat on me and give me a stitch and make me feel a little bit rough. So I tend to now only train with free-form amino acids beforehand I leave a good three-hour gap. It's really quite psychological feeling a need to eat at that time. You might be hungry, you might feel your tummy rumble, but it's actually more of a, I think I need something to get me through this. And personally, I'm a bigger fan of training in the morning. I just think if after a whole day at work, you're pretty exhausted. If you're getting away from work quite late, it should be about bringing cortisol levels down, as Matt yeah. said. Maybe just look at adjusting that a little bit. Once you're getting more sleep, maybe take a week off, get more sleep. You might feel you can get up and go before work. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because people often think that, oh, no, I can't get up early and train in the morning. But often with clients that we've actually said, just give it a try. 
yeah. and they do it. And at first it's tough because it's a bit of a shock to the system, no doubt. But once they get into the routine and all of a sudden they realise that they're starting their day on a really high note, they've got the endorphin rush and more importantly, they finish work and know they can just go straight home. Yeah. The training's been done for the day. They haven't got to go to the gym. Yeah, I think the ideal times to train are around 10 and 4. That's completely inconvenient for most people. Mm. So my advice is always try and get it out of the way. It's more likely to happen if you go first thing and it leaves you time to cook a nice meal and have some time to batch cook it in the evening. And often I just say the first week is painful, really painful. Maybe just even turn up. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> just roll around on a mat for half an hour, do some stretches, but switch around body clock a little bit, your routine, and then gradually build up nice and slowly. That's how I did it. I think I just did like 20 minutes on an exercise bike. I just didn't push myself. And then eventually I just found myself waking earlier and it was a lot easier. And then I, I got back into my routine. But that's another point, actually. If you're getting home late from if you're eating too close to bedtime, and that's going to really affect your quality of sleep as well. If your body's busy trying to break down and digest food when you're trying to get some good quality shut eye. So definitely something for you to think about there. We'll move on to another question because I'm just looking at the time here. This is from Cheryl Jane Nolan. Cheryl actually messaged us a while back with some tips to help her dad who had actually been diagnosed with cancer. And this is something both myself and Keris hold quite close to our heart. You know, we've both lost family members and friends, etc. It's something, yeah, we feel incredibly passionate about. And it's something that we know nutrition can have an absolutely huge impact on. And, and I'm not just talking about curing, I'm talking about, you know, just prevention in the first place. Like I said, Cheryl messaged us a while back and we got some information over to her for her dad to try and implement. And it's really good to hear that he's uh, made some changes and he's feeling really, really good. But this is a separate note from Cheryl saying, I've just seen your post about questions for today's podcast. We have been following Fit of Food now for around nine months and feel great, have more energy, sleeping better, loving food and looking better. I've noticed an improvement in the eczema that I get on my hands, but wonder if there is anything I can add or change in terms of foods. And she just put a little note at the end there about saying uh, about her dad and how he's making some really good changes. So that's fantastic. So Keris, eczema, food. Okay. What is it? Why do people get it? And how can she improve it even more? Okay, well, eczema is, tends to be what we would call like a bit of an, an immune system disorder. So generally we go right back to treating the gut because that's where around 80% of the immune system is based. Fitter food in itself, as you've seen, is going to help in terms of reducing the pro-inflammatory effects of food because you're focusing on things like vegetables, really good quality meat and fish. What I would say, focus on increasing your consumption of fish and seafood to get your omega-3-6 in your nutrition increased. As we mentioned in the book, what's really important is to look at omega-3 and 6 intake in your diet. They're both essential fatty acids. And in our sort of modern day society, we tend to overeat omega-6, generally because things like vegetable oils are used quite commonly in a lot of processed foods that we, when we eat out, they're used for cooking. And obviously for about the last 20 years, we've been told to avoid fats and have vegetable oils instead. Most of our meats now are fed on corn and cereal as well, so the omega-6 content of meat is much higher. Even fish is now fed on things that it shouldn't be, so the amount of omega-3s is decreasing. The main thing to sort of understand is omega-3 and 6 compete, so alongside increasing omega-3s, you must decrease 
intake from omega-6. And if you're following Fitter Food, the main area you're probably getting omega-6 from might be something like nuts. So that's why we do say in the book, don't go too crazy on nuts. Like almonds, Brazil, Brazil nuts and walnuts tend to be the highest in omega-6. So I would direct you towards all the fish recipes. With some of my clients, when we're doing anti-inflammatory protocols with eczema being a pro-inflammatory disorder, I sometimes put them on two to three weeks of mainly fish and seafood, and they often see a real regression in their symptoms. And then as I mentioned, in terms of treating the gut, you might want to do things like some homemade stocks made from bones. They're incredibly nourishing for the gut. There's lots of glycine in there, which really helps to build a nice strong barrier and whatever might be getting through your gut wall into the bloodstream and perhaps causing an immune response, you can stop that by really getting lots of stock into your daily nutrition. What Matt and I do is we'll make big vats of soup or stew or even just stocks and just drink that, have a cup a day just as a starter. We'll add in some herbs and spices as well for sort of an anti-inflammatory effect. There's something called the ORAC scale online, O-R-A-C, uh, which is a list of spices and the antioxidant content of them and foods generally. And it's quite good to refer to. There's lots of debate as to how accurate it is. You can see what are the most anti-inflammatory herbs and spices out there. So um, rosemary is really high. Cloves, I think, is the highest one, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. yeah, cloves is highest. And cinnamon is fantastic. And then just search through the recipes and think, right, let's look for ones with cinnamon in that I can use. And, you know, rosemary is just fantastic in all sort of soups and things, isn't it? And, and they taste amazing as well. So it makes sense yeah, to absolutely. just pile them in. What about natural skincare and cosmetics and things like that? Yeah, definitely. Because that can, can, that can affect inflammation, can't it? Absolutely. So the immune system can be responding to something you're putting in your body. So again, sort of going 100% on fitter food for you know four to six weeks is a good way of, of calming things down a little bit and adding in those foods I've mentioned. And then look at what you put on your skin. So things like moisturizers and deodorants and what you wash your hands with, shampoos even. You're seeing a lot of labels now coming through in high street stores saying paraben-free, SLS-free, because they know that these chemicals can be quite aggressive to the body and quite difficult for us to detoxify. So I would look at more natural brands for your personal care and even your kitchen products, whatever you clean your bathroom with. I've had lots of clients who will get reactions when using bleach and other things like that. We tend to use Method and Ecova for our washing products. And then we'll use Jason for shampoo, shower gel, um, just natural soaps like tea tree and rosemary soaps for washing hands. Bulldog we use, don't we, as a moisturiser? Yeah. I really love Bulldog because it's actually for men, but it's really cheap. It's about £6 for mm. a moisturiser, completely natural, made with coconut oil and some other great stuff in That's there. That's because the geezer knew that men wouldn't Maybe pay invest it, yeah. 15 quid for a moisturiser. Other brands like uh, Green People, Lavera, they're good too. It's just their moisturisers are about £20. So. But essentially pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You could also try things like coconut oil. Adding some coconut oil to your eczema just before you go to bed at night. Coconut oil is really antibacterial, antiviral, and often can just calm down inflammatory skin conditions as well. Yeah. Here's another question. This is from Ben Leonard, and he's got a really good question here that I can relate to a hell of a lot. Um, and it just says, Hello, Matt and Keris. My question is regarding strategies for maintaining muscle and staying lean during periods of reduced training. I've been battling back injuries for the last two years and I'm finally making some very slow and steady progress with a really good physio. My exercise is restricted to the gentle rehab work I'm doing and occasionally walking. My job is fairly sedentary. Other than eating awesome real food, what strategies do you recommend for maintaining muscle and staying lean? I'm intermittent fasting at the moment and I feel great doing it. The reason I say I can relate to this is because you know I've had my fair share of injuries over the years 
but most recently probably my worst injuries were that I had uh, some issues with with my back also I've got uh, what's called an anterior pelvic tilt or somewhat like lordosis which is a bit of an excessive curvature of my spine which is just something I had since I was a kid and over the years of training playing rugby I suppose it's just kind of really drummed that condition home but on the plus side I'm starting to feel a hell of a lot better now and I'm working around it really well. I also had a really bad shoulder injury to my supraspinatus tendon which uh, I had an operation on last year. I could train I certainly couldn't do what I wanted to do or what I love doing the most but you know you need to get yourself better and you need to get your health back and your movement back so there was a dark spell if you like where I couldn't train like I felt really frustrated and disheartened but it was really important that I kind of got my head in check and I, I made the right adaptations to my nutrition and lifestyle to, in order to recover. It's quite funny because when I wasn't training in the way that I was, I obviously knew that my energy expenditure was less. So naturally, I reduced the amount of carbohydrates I was consuming. And that's a really good kind of rule of thumb to follow, which sounds pretty damn simple, but many people don't, is you know, the more energy you exert, the more carbs you need to eat. It's, it's that simple. So I just reduced my carbs and I replaced them with fats and a bit more protein and it worked for me. I stayed lean. The style of training I was doing was enough to maintain the size that I had. I lost a little bit of body fat, so I did drop about one and a half to two kilos. But in terms of like my actual physique, I did keep my muscle mass. So I would say continue with your clean eating and definitely stay on top of the movement. I know you're doing your rehab, but just try and walk as much as you can. And don't be afraid to test your boundaries a little bit. I mean, it's great working with physios, especially when you find a good one. But they only know so much and they can only guide you so far. And by that, what I mean is, is that no one knows your body better than you. So follow your rehab for sure. But then just, just you know, test the water a little bit. Try something. See how you feel. Start light. Stick to body weight. Even just doing some stability work, you know, like holding press-up position or something like that. I mean, I'm assuming you can do things like press-ups and some, some body weight drills like so and getting your core nice and strong. So by all means, you know, like mix up some variations there and just keep the muscle fibers stimulated. I think it's great that you eat clean most of the time. That's absolutely awesome. I like that you've put that you're intermittent fasting and that you feel great doing it. And that's the big thing. I mean, intermittent fasting, we've tried it ourselves. We've tried it with clients. Do we like it? Yeah, it's all right. We find it rarely works for many people. And the reason being is that most people are just far too stressed in the first place to even um, even be considering intermittent fasting. So for those of you that don't know, intermittent fasting is uh, where you go about 16 hours without food. So say you might eat your evening meal at seven. Then when you wake up in the morning, you won't have any food until like uh, 12, 1 o'clock. And then you'll eat your lunch and have your snacks and then your dinner and then you'll repeat. And uh, some people find it works really, really well for them. It can have like a bit of a therapeutic effect in the short term. And sometimes if people have got uh, some digestive issues, we might recommend doing it here and there just to kind of give their gut a little bit of a rest. But uh, like I said, more often than not with it, with intermittent fasting, most people don't respond too well to it purely because they're just far too stressed and got far too many other problems to even be considering that kind of thing. We always recommend people try stuff. If they like it, fantastic. If they don't, you know, we can look at something else. I'd probably say if you did want to maintain your lean muscle tissue, then I probably wouldn't recommend doing it too often. But like I said, you know, you're a man when it comes to listening to your body, Ben. So 
if you feel great, you feel that you are maintaining your tissue that way, then by all means, um, crack on. But uh, just keep your body moving, matey, and just push the boundaries a little bit and just test the water. It's quite common that we receive questions about performance and fat loss, mainly from clients, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, the bit that I take away from your question is there's an injury there. So we've got inflammation, pain in the background. So my focus for you would be more on an anti-inflammatory aspect of your diet. The fact that you're eating clean, absolutely fantastic making sure your meat is is grass-fed and favouring things like lamb and beef and fish and seafood over chicken and pork, which are going to be higher in omega-6. So I just mentioned those before, getting that balance right. The other thing I'd say is with joint problems with clients, I often get them, again, doing the bone bone stocks mm-hmm. and broths because you get lots of calcium, magnesium from the bones. So getting that supplementally on a daily basis if you can. And eating bones, so... I often get people look at me a bit strange when I say eat some bones, but tin salmon, tin sardines are a fantastic way of eating the soft bones in the fish and not even knowing that you're doing it. Even the, the small bones in chicken as well are yeah, quite easy you, to chew. If you slow cook chicken, the, the, the soft small bones tend to go really crumbly, don't they? So you can, again, do a whole cooked chicken. There's also some things like ginger, drinking ginger <clears throat> tea all day long. Maybe even look at extra sort of um, turmeric and ginger and omega-3 supplements, good sort of pharmaceutical grade if you can. Matt actually has a, a Boswellia cream by Higher Nature, which another client of mine has used that and said it's helped. Haven't yeah, you? yeah. It's like a really, it's like a muscle warming balm. You sort of apply it first thing in the morning. It's completely natural. It's got some MSM in there as well, just to help anti-inflammatory and, and joint health. Then you can try and do your rehab or your ability after sort of applying that cream. And then the last thing I'd say is, Matt's sort of covered, is, is just sleep is one of your biggest healers and it's anabolic. So in the times when you're not doing the training, if you're focusing on getting lots of sleep, minimising stress, I was going to say train around it, but Matt pretty much covered that as well. There's often something you can do, whether it's just assisted pull-ups or something, just to keep hold of muscle mass and muscle memory. That's fantastic. Really interestingly, I just took three months off pretty much all weight training. It was just something I decided to do personally. I had a really busy summer and wanted a break from it. And I've actually kept hold of lean body mass pretty much, I would say, for the whole of the summer. If anything, people have commented when I've mentioned I've not been training for three months, people have seemed quite surprised yeah. by that. Well, it's quite um, funny because people always, when when they compliment you, which, and Keris gets lots of compliments, so she is a stunner. Um, <laughs> you know, it, people Flushing. will automatically assume, they're like, oh, what training are you doing at the moment? Like, you look amazing. It's normally when I'm resting. Yeah, and when you turn around and say, I'm actually doing diddly squat, and uh, and that's not a squat variation. That's nothing. <laughs> diddly um, <laughs> squat. Just uh, 50 diddly squats a day. <laughs> You know, people are always very shocked that, you know, actually it was rest and recuperation and just solid nutrition that that has got that, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I walk a lot, I keep moving, but, you know, that's a given to move daily. But speaking of the inflammation, I think, um, I know you said you're 99%, but the biggest mistake I think people make, and this isn't aimed at you, Ben, this is general, is that people think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm eating paleo or whatever it may be, yet, you know, just because you're making paleo choices doesn't mean you're eating an anti-inflammatory diet um you know like keris mentioned you know people tend to overlook things like the oily fish uh the vegetables and you know which are very alkaline in etc and just go crazy on meat and nuts and other things that are very pro-inflammatory so it's really important you do get that balance with your meals the last thing i'd say is the fasting thing for me i probably slightly disagree in that you're in a healing phase so we're looking to get as many nutrients in as possible nourish your body yeah so i probably wouldn't 
advocate that really what I would say is you could do longer gaps between your meals sort of you know drop out snacks because you're not actually doing any training and I would maybe you could do a modified fast which I do with some clients where you might want to just do things like coconut oil in the morning in a green tea which would be like a ketogenic fast or a bone broth or stock fast so you're resting digestion I mean ketogenic fast would also mean you're doing a protein fast which can increase protein synthesis a little bit and doing a broth fast would just rest digestion a little bit because, again, you're just taking on liquids, so it feels quite nice, but you're getting lots of nutrients in. Uh, broths contain lots of protein. So Broth is a superfood, really, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's just it's got everything in. And very nutritious. So, yeah, you could do something like that instead. So you're eating a bit lighter, but you're not depriving yourself of nutrients. I used to have really bad knee pain, just from, like, God knows how many knee twists playing rugby. And it was something that would just give me jip every now and again. And then when I started introducing bone broth, one mug a day, the knee pain just went. And that's no exaggeration. I mean, no doubt, of course, it's in combination with everything else. But it wasn't really a coincidence, I think, that when I was being much uh, better with getting the bone broth down me, my knees just felt fantastic. And I've not had any problems since. And that's been in about the last 12 months. So definitely get the bone broth down yet. Right, I reckon one more question to finish off. It's a quickie. This is from Rich Clark, and just really simply, he would like us to talk about meal preparation. We're huge on being prepared when it comes to your nutrition. Um, I mean, you've ever, you've heard the saying, if you uh, fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. And it couldn't be more true, to be honest with you. I mean, it's the biggest thing we hear when people have fallen off a, a nutritional plan that we've put them on, was, oh, I, I just didn't have time to prepare and I ended up just grabbing a baguette or whatever it may be. Meal prep, everything we cook, we cook in bulk. More often than not, our dinner is the next day's lunch, simple. Or we'll make even more and uh, we'll have enough for our dinner next day's lunch and we'll whack some in the freezer that we can just get out the next week. It's just little tricks like that that make a huge difference. Of course, you don't want to spend all your spare time in the kitchen. So we normally say use your Sunday afternoon, just make the most of the extra time you may have, assuming you don't work on a Sunday. And uh, just batch cook a load of really good food that's got a good three or four day shelf life. We make loads of burgers, which are just really easy to make. And you can whack loads of herbs, spices in there and make them taste really, really good. My mighty Scotch eggs, which are legendary and taking the world by storm. (laughs) (laughs) Invest in some decent Tupperwares, so either some BPA-free Tupperwares or better still, some stainless steel lunch boxes. There's a company called Lunchbots, which you can get online uh, in the UK uh, website called Little Acorn, I think, .co.uk does them. They're a little bit more pricey, but they're stainless steel, so really good quality, and they yeah, should, longer, in they? theory, last you yeah. forever, really. Um, I don't think you'll live long enough to witness the stainless steel disintegrate and <laughs> whatever, but things like investing in a slow cooker, we recommend all our clients buy a slow cooker, A, because that's what we like them to cook their bone broth in, which we're big on, as you know, but B... You know, there's nothing better than just piling a load of ingredients in a slow cooker in the morning before you go to work, which takes like a couple of minutes. You know, whack your meat in, your vegetables, a little bit of, uh, t- you know, like tomatoes, herbs, spices, and then whack it on a low heat, let the bad boy cook for eight hours, and you come home to a beautiful aroma and a great tasting meal that's ready. And you just scoop it out, dish it up, and wallop, job's done. Just be as far in advance prepared as you possibly can. And if you can, just always have foods in. Anything to add to that, Keris? I would say just always be prepared out and about. I always have a tin of fish on me. And again, it might be look a bit strange to other people, but I don't really care about sort of cracking that open on the train and just eating yeah. straight out the tin. So I always have sardines. <laughs> so <inconsiderate. laughs> Yeah, sardines or mackerel. 
in whatever it's in. And I've always got things like bananas and just uh, jars of coconut chips and, and nuts in. So, and I'll carry a little pot of that around with me um, as well. So being prepared so that when you're out and about, if you just haven't had a chance to get anything ready, you've always got that in your in your, yeah. in your your gym kit. So we've just mentioned the stock, just boiling up a big vat of that. And when you get in quite hungry, having a cup of chicken stock, I might stir in a couple of eggs or something and a little bit of Celtic sea salt. And that's some, really some nice. Butter as well. Yeah, some butter as well. Some is good. Sometimes add some butter or ghee. Mm instant meal um absolutely fantastic really filling i'll probably have drink that whilst i'm making my dinner so let's wrap it up right guys so thank you so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed it you know keep the questions coming in each week we'll pick out a few and we will answer them as best we can if you haven't already checked out our fit food page on facebook please do we're always putting tons of really good advice on there and of course lots of really nutritious great tasting recipes and uh, yeah massive thank you for everyone that's bought our book and etc and again if you haven't bought the book you know check out our website which is fitterlondon.co.uk again lots of info on there and more details of some other projects we got on the go at the minute if you like the podcast please 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 subscribe and leave a, a rating and some positive word you know guys we're on a journey too you know so we've been doing this for a while now but we're still on a journey we're still learning we're still adapting and trying new things so if you've got any advice for us or anything you think we may benefit from then by all means get in touch we would absolutely love to hear it so uh, I also just want to give a massive shout out to the people that are on our online plans at the moment we've got a 28 day fat loss kickstarter challenge which is almost halfway now People are absolutely killing it, making some really positive gains. And by that, I don't just mean they're losing fat. You know, people are getting more sleep. Their skin's getting better. IBS is improving. And this is what it's all about, guys. It's health first. Yeah, fat loss is secondary to that. It just happens. Okay, so really, really proud of uh, the guys on Team Matt who are totally Oi. destroying Oi. Team Keris. Not at all, not at all. She knows it. Um, and also the ladies on our 12-week Optimal Body Project, you know, they are they are too halfway through. So we've passed the six-week marker now and they, they get, they're getting absolutely fantastic results. I'm really proud of them. It's been tough, but they've made changes. They've gripped their teeth. They've seen it through. And now, you know, they're starting to make some really, really good decisions, much, much wiser decisions than they were before. So well done, ladies. Big shout out to you guys. And uh, yeah, that's it from us. We're off out now to... Uh, do a little bit of shopping in Edinburgh. I've got uh, me eyes on a nice jacket I saw the other day. I might treat myself. Why not? Such a woman, honestly. I am. He spends longer in the shops hey, than I do. It's therapeutic. It's good for my growth hormone levels. I'm sat outside on a bench outside the men's changing room. This is true. Anyway, that's enough from us. So, uh, bye from me. Bye from me. And we will catch y'all uh, in episode three. That rhymed. Bye. Bye.